Finish Flow is a new podcast that puts the spotlight on a dynamic cohort of next generation Finnish entrepreneurs devoted to social good. This collective of 35 and under changemakers is employing cutting edge innovations that will help guide us through the critical year of 2030 and beyond. Today's guest is Ani Iso Mustajarvi. Really good job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> welcome to the podcast, Annie, and welcome to our listeners. And welcome ISI and IQM, the sponsors of the Finish Flow podcast season. Our partner in this episode is Be Healthy. Annie, you are director of Be Healthy, on an online health platform uh, firm owned by Mehelainen. Tell us a little bit about the platform. Yes. So basically the whole idea of the Be Healthy platform is to enable truly patient-centric healthcare experience and also allow patients to navigate smoothly across the whole spectrum of care. So we are not only talking about digital services, so we are also talking about the real serious things that happen within the hospitals and how we are better able to support patients and, and good patient outcomes. It is, it is a very appealing promise um, to be able to see a doctor in a more convenient way for the patient. And presumably there's a quicker turnover of patients and less overhead for the doctors. What are the biggest challenges for, for this model? I think the biggest challenge, if we think globally, is to really get started because it's a change uh, of in the way of working. And if you can tell, tell me yeah. what you mean. Tell me what you mean. Yeah. So kind of healthcare is a really conservative field and for a reason, uh, really. So kind of that's why changes don't typically happen that quickly. And it's kind of hard to adopt new new ways of working. And uh, what it means in practice is that, of course, uh, doctors need to kind of get used to working kind of in a remote setting. Also, we need to have like quite uh, clear medical guidelines so that the medical quality stays good. But in, in practice, for example, how you make a doctor to chat with patients instead of just kind of sitting in their corner office and opening the door from time to time. And I think uh, this is something what we have been able to accomplish and the both patients and doctors love it. It really is a disruptor in the, in the sector. Uh, and I was going to ask, how has the medical community reacted to this disruption? Uh, has there been a segment of the profession that prefers to see patients in person? Um, I, I think it's rather because doctors are really academic in their thinking. So they are rather kind of, they want to treat patients in the right channel. So they actually really love this methodology for certain cases. And then certain cases then can get the full attention of the physical visit. And I have been personally really impressed that the doctors really endorse this type of like approach where you treat different kind of cases in different contexts. They are suspicious at first for mm. reason, but, <laughs> but, but in the end, they do like to do things in a smart way. Absolutely. And, and give, us an, give us some examples of some of the, uh, of the kinds of cases that they do like and, the, and that they don't like to do on in the telehealth model. Yes. So kind of typically, like depending on the population, like roughly 60 to 80 percent of the cases are suitable for a kind of telemedicine context. And, uh, you know, the cases where we can actually really help the patients a lot that's not kind of suitable in the traditional model is, for example, those cases where patients themselves don't even realize that they are kind of experiencing something that's actually quite severe, but they don't 
realize that they should actually go to ER, for example. Mm. So let's take an example of a, of a man about to on board an, an airplane and he starts to feel kind of some symptoms, maybe a bit like the hand doesn't feel so strong. But he's about to on board, but we have the possibility for him to chat with the doctor and get access in minutes. And he launches that conversation because it's like low threshold service. And then the doctor realizes that this is actually an early sign of a heart attack. And we need to get this man to an ambulance. And he convinces the man to take that ride instead of hopping to the airplane. And I think these kind of... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, you know... There we are actually able to save lives because amazing. there is no alternative existing. So I think that's kind of those cases are truly inspirational also for the de- doctors because they really sense that this is a game changer. And then kind of, of course, some really mundane things, you know, like you need to renew your prescription or you need to get like a referral to go to laboratory so that you can handle things in a really smooth way. And then, of course, what you want to take up in the kind of physical setting is when you need to do more examinations, you really need to see how kind of the body reacts to certain things. Or it's like more complex chronic cases. Uh, it might be that you have some older people with multiple disorders. These type of cases you want to handle with time and the physical presence. Yeah, oh, that's really interesting. And it's, 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 it's so clear what the divide is between the kinds of um, cases that need to be seen in person and, and don't. And, and, and thank you for, for elucidating that. Um, how has telehealth changed since the pandemic, both the practice of telehealth and the public perception of it? Uh, it's more natural for people to seek for telehealth. Of course, uh, kind of in practice, it started, for example, in Italy, that people were banned from getting out of their homes. So they need some alternative. Um, and of course, I think the biggest change is really in the regulation so that some of those blockers were lifted that were maybe only due to the fact that the conservative field was changing slower. But now there was like this rabbit boost and pressure to do something about it. Case in point, Germany, where kind of no one was allowed to visit doctor the first time, only virtually. So you ne- always needed to have the first visit physically. And I think that's quite a dramatic change that this was lifted. So I think the patient demand has been there. It just has accelerated and all the kind of factors that enable it also have accelerated. You've you've mentioned Italy, you mentioned Germany, and I know that Be Healthy has expanded to Greece and to Italy. Uh, Is this part of a strategy to greatly expand the company's international presence, the parent company? Uh, Yes, and especially with the software offering, we are really seeking to have like the leading providers all around the world world joining the platform. Because of course, we have been innovators in Finland, but we can already see that when the top players in their own respective countries join the platform, we can actually together achieve something even more and create like like a society of healthcare providers who are able to come up with something quite cool. So is, so is that what you're looking to do? You're looking to get uh, entree points into some of these other countries first and then be the partner to them so that, you're, that you, you recognize that you're not, the, you're not from that country, but that you, you have boots on the ground in that place? Yes. So we, we want to provide the software all around the, the software, first right. world for leading healthcare operators. We are also expanding our healthcare operations in selected regions but with a more kind of focused approach. But of course, for software, there is like really no limitations. And of course, we benefit as Mehiläinen as well, because 
we get all the innovations back to us as well. That's, uh, that's great. And, and that, that was my next question, which is the history of the parent company, Mehilainen, which translated to English means bee, the insect, um, goes back more than 100 years, predating the founding of Finland as an independent nation. Uh, how is a company with that much history adapting to the digital age? Because you would think that a company that old would, would be very fusty and very fussy. Yeah, it's maybe not the most common thing to see that you're a forerunner in this digital era. But actually, already 20 years ago, we did employ a couple of developers and we created our own patient record system in-house. So that was where the first building blocks were kind of created inside the company. And when first web technologies emerged, there was nothing really out there. So there was already this kind of really forward-looking kind of vision in the company to do something. And that's why we ended up hiring more developers to our payroll. And one could say that it was a really smart strategic move, but one of the factors was, of course, that there was nothing really out there uh, off the shelf available. And I must say that for Mehilainen, it has been a great thing that we have the in-house team because it allows us to pivot and really make like a healthcare-focused product to support uh, the, the services and the kind of changing things. Of course, it's a totally different story if our doctors can directly give suggestions or complain to developers instead of, you know, having like a third party there in between. So it has allowed us to ma- fail fast and, <laughs> and learn. <laughs> so Fail fast, that's an that's a interesting way to put it. And um, is there a lot of failure in, 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 in arriving at the, at, at, the, uh, at the proper way to do it? it like, a, a, has there been a lot of failure along the way? I think people... Definitely. You, you learn so much from failure, don't you? Yes, exactly. And you just, you just really need to do it fast. But definitely there has been, like, for example, uh, the first version of Digital Clinic was video-based. And it was a total disaster, <laughs> I must say. No, nobody loved it and it didn't wor- work. It didn't really change the game at all. It was just more cumbersome. So it, it required quite a many pivots to come up with this more asynchronous chat-based approach where we are able to automate the mundane things and uh, really to give like a super high service promise as well. Oh, that, that is really interesting how, how, how great success comes from great failure sometimes. There's been a rise in misinformation, which some attribute to a surge in authoritarian leaders and some to social media. But one of the byproducts of this is a mistrust of institutions, governments, science, and medicine. How is Be Healthy working to combat that mistrust? And is, it that, is that harder to do when the relationship between patient and doctor is virtual? I, that's a good question. And I wouldn't kind of put it that way. Of course, trust is a difficult word to really kind of comprehend, like what, what really builds trust. But um, at least our experience has been that, of course, the long history mm-hmm. is, is a good kind of indication of how you are doing things. And we have really applied that very same approach also to the digital world. And I think that's also how we differ a lot from kind of normal startups is that we are building on that experience. And, and the way of working with our doctors. And, and one practical example is that, you know, our doctors have like a full guidebook about telemedicine guidelines that we developed ourselves because they were not existing beforehand, but our doctors couldn't proceed before they put those in place. So kind of, I think that creates confidence that you just, you know, you are not only 
telling what you do, but you are constantly delivering and, and living up to your promises. I think that's what we at least try to do and try to create confidence through that. And building collectively. Yes, it, that's also true. And, and, and also if, if thinking about the best medical practice, that's of course based on the evidence-based medicine that, that very much is built by the whole medical society. And, and that's, mm-hmm. that's what we do. Um, and in creating the best possible patient journeys, what we do there is that we actually kind of uh, cross-utilize different medical contents. Like, for example, in, in Hus uh, University Hospital, we create like really top-notch mental care services and mm-hmm. we are collaborating with them to also help our kind of customers in different contents to adopt those same patient journeys that were created by the best professionals here. And vice versa, so that we are able to really have this medical community sharing across each other. And you might seem that think that it's obvious, but it's actually really cool to make it happen and and make these professionals excited to share these things across each other. That that, that is, I, I can feel the palpable excitement there, and and it seems that mental health is one of the great um, uh, sectors of, of of medicine that seems so um, ripe for uh, tele telemedicine. Yes, definitely. It's it's one of the very kind of fertile areas, such also kind of chronic diseases. Uh, they are also really kind of fruitful field that is really underutilized. But mental health, seeing the surge what we had during the COVID COVID crisis, and the, we are at least suffering in many markets like lack of prof- mental health professionals as well. So we really need to leverage that resource. So. And typically mental health uh, disorders also have the tendency to get worse if they are not treated. Mm, mm-hmm. So we would really need this early intervention approach. We are typically always talking, when we're talking about healthcare, we are talking about curing the diseases and then prevention. Mm-hmm. Of course, we are good at curing dis- diseases. We are quite bad at prevention that mm-hmm. we have been venturing as well, but there is a kind of gray area in between that is actually really important, which is early intervention. And mm-hmm. I think there we have already proven that the digital can make a difference. That, 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 is, that seems very on, on, on target. You did some studying at the University of Pittsburgh in, in the States. What did your time in the States teach you outside the classroom? Yes, yes. I think it was just a fascinating experience. Like, you know, it was really hard looking from the Europe perspective to understand the kind of the uh, how big the country is and all, all those different things. And I had the privilege to actually live in the basement of this one uh, Republican uh, grandmother and, 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 and she had like a democratic daughter. So we had like really good debates there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think also regarding the healthcare, actually kind of my teacher from the healthcare economics class she asked me to kind of present the Finnish healthcare system and I think that debate was quite nice what we had with the students because they were just kind of so uh, amazed by the fact that how can government make you buy a product so that you couldn't kind of influence it on your own and I think that was a perspective that I hadn't really realized this is really important in this kind of cultural context and also they were a bit amazed that the public sector can produce high quality intensive care. So, but I think I, I really enjoyed those kind of debates and uh, it, it was kind of really fascinating. Of course, also the kind of all the top notch things that happen around there. 
And and uh, what was your impression of of Pittsburgh and and what is known in the United States as flyover country between the two coasts? Yeah. So personally, I have a bit of industrial background myself as well, and I'm an engineer. So you need to put <laughs> this into context, this kind of response. But mm-hmm. uh, to me, kind of, you know, Pittsburgh might have become like a Detroit in a way. Mm-hmm. But I think the city has really managed to reinvent itself around the technology and healthcare. Mm-hmm. And I think that change has been quite cool together with the amazing history with kind of Heinz and invention of the electricity and all that. So I was kind of really uh, in awe of, of the city uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and I really loved it. And of course, the I began to a bit like sports. I didn't <laughs> like sports when I was in Finland, but there is so much happening in the American sports. Uh, I do like dancing and singing a lot. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm absolutely a fan of American way of doing sports. Well, it's funny that you mentioned music because uh, you, you, you're one of eight next generation uh, Finnish changemakers that have been selected to be a part of the Finnish flow for your great work in the sustainable or innovation space. But we want to learn more about you outside of that work. And you mentioned uh, music. And uh, when I was snooping around in your uh, social media, I found that you play keyboards in a rock band. So w- what else would your coworkers be surprised to learn about you? And tell us a little bit about your music as well. Yeah, so so that music project is kind of really interesting, actually, because um, when I, that's actually our kind of company band that you oh, saw. Really? And you can find us in the YouTube by Googling Weekend. And the name became for the very fact that our first cover was from kind of the Weekend uh, song. So okay. we, we figured that we are going to be Weekend. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and... And kind Very of uh, one of our kind of uh, kind of members of the executive committee is actually also a professional heavy band drummer. Okay. And I have a personal history of liking heavy metal a lot. <laughs> so when I joined the company and I realized that Marco is there, I was like, oh, this is so cool. And <laughs> ever since I've tried to kind of suggest him that let's put together a band and and so he was a musician before he was an executive you're saying yeah Ah, yeah and and he actually what what was the name of that band uh it's Mm cues yeah it's actually quite known globally in the circles yeah um and and then kind of when the covid started mark realized that we actually would not like to do something nice to lift the spirits and Mm -hmm. and finally he kind of accepted the idea and then then we put the band together and i think that has been kind of a lot of fun to play the Beacon, I love it. It's such yeah. a great name. And, and there's so many playful names with the, with the company. So t- tell us how Be Healthy became a name. Yeah, so kind of, of course, Mehilainen means a bumblebee in Finnish. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you are doing a great job with the Mehilainen name. So uh, kind of kudos for that. But I think that's a bit difficult uh, in the international context. So we figured that we need to come up with something different. And then we were kind of having like a casual coffee table talk and we were starting to think that how could it be like be and then like be healthy and hey, this kind of nicely puts together the vision Uh in this initiative and also, of course, the history of Bumblebee. (laughs) That's great. Are are there certain Finnish values that make be healthy more successful than it perhaps might be in another culture? That's a good question as well. I'm full of good questions. Yes, yes, kind of. Yeah, really, <laughs> really well prepared. Um, I would say that kind of what is really unique, if you think about the size of the mother company, like 1.3 billion euros roughly. Wow. And then also the age. One w- 
wouldn't think that it's actually a really truly entrepreneurial culture that's in there. And I think that has only kind of emphasized in Be Healthy. And that really means that we are kind of still venturing. Uh, they allow me like <laughs> kind of to do a lot of things and our team to kind of really go there and, and try our best. And we have these kind of like slogans like, you know, like fail fast or it ain't over until the buzzer rings. And mm. and and these are kind of the principles that we very much uh, kind of have built the success from. I, 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 I truly believe that these these are kind of the key success factors. And maybe it has some also Finnish twist in it. Interesting. No, that's, that's very cool. And sounds like... A Part of your uh, Pittsburgh sports influence. It ain't over until the buzzer rings, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the, the digitization of healthcare has likely led to a massive amount of data. Has that data yielded any breakthrough findings or discoveries that have modeled a future path for healthcare? Um, yes, and I think there is yet a lot to come. So I think healthcare has suffered quite long from scattered data, non structured data. So we haven't really been tapping the potential yet. I think in Finland, we are in a luxurious position that we actually have a uniform medical record and we have quite a lot of structured data. And we as a company do have the privilege that we have that. Mm -hmm. And we have been able to build like algorithms forecasting. So if you give us the permission, we can start to forecast that if you are about to, I know that you don't have any unhealthy lifestyle habits, right? (laughs) But, uh, you have my permission. Yeah, but we, we, we could uh, kind of, you know, like help you to realize that you're actually about to start to suffer from diabetes or cardiovascular disease. And we could uh, he- like suggest you, of course, it's up to you what you then end up doing. But right. we could kind of suggest you that would you actually like start like to start to work on it? Uh, and I think that's like a, uh, only only a hint and only a, like tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. what can be done in that field. That's really interesting. Uh, here's, here's my last question. By the year 2050, two out of every three people on the planet will be living in cities, 6.7 billion people. How will telehealth help make cities more sustainable? Yes, that's, a, that's an interesting kind of perspective. I'm, I'm kind of very much from the countryside, so I doubt that I will kind of, I will be kind of in the minority probably in the <laughs> end. Um, but I, I do believe that kind of healthcare should be there quite conveniently and easily for people. So kind of what we really believe in is that, that you know, you should be able to focus on your life. You know, health is just an enabler. And, and that's the whole point. So we need to make that possible. And we need, we need to put things into your pocket and rather kind of remind you when you really need to go somewhere. Or kind of, you know, to take care of your health in the best possible w- way. Say it means that, you know, when you go to supermarket, you might, you know, do those things on the go and and you talk with your doctor through the through the app, etc. And of course, sometimes you need to go somewhere. But um, but I, I think this is the whole point and uh, kind of that can be enabled in the future. Excellent. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, thank you to Annie. And to our sponsors, IceEye, IQM, and Be Healthy. Learn more about The Finish Flow at www.finishflow.com and follow The Finish Flow account on LinkedIn. And here's a special message about UNICEF. UNICEF works around the world to save children's lives, defend their rights, and help them fulfill their potential. 
UNICEF never gives up. Join your local UNICEF to support their work. In Finland, visit unicef.fi.